to Defining Equity, a show meant to center and celebrate folks living at the margins. Today, we'll be having a conversation with Dimitri Daskalakis from the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene um, and basically have a conversation around some of the initiatives that they have going on around sexual health. So by way of introductions, Dimitri Daskalakis, MD and PH, is the Deputy Commissioner for the Division of Disease Control at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Dr. Daskalakis directs the Public Health Laboratory and all infectious disease control programs for New York City, including HIV, tuberculosis, sexually transmitted infections, vaccine-preventable diseases, and general communicable diseases. His division is one of the largest in the department, employing more than 1,100 staff. He received his medical education from NYU School of Medicine and completed his residency training in 2003 at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. He also completed clinical infectious disease fellowships at the Brigham and Women's Massachusetts General Hospital Combined Program. He received his master's in public health from the Harvard School of Public Health, and he has been a career-long physician activist in the area of HIV treatment and prevention among LGBT people. Whew. So now that we're done with introductions, how are you doing? How's it going, Dimitri? Things are good. Thank you for asking. Wonderful, wonderful. So I guess, you know, before we get started and kind of get to talking about some of the work that you're doing, uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself? So, you know, we kind of heard a little bit about the work you're doing, but, you know, just maybe like your name, where you grew up, um, sure. any fun, quick facts, anything like that. So my name is Dimitri Daskalakis. Um, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C. Amazing. Close by. <laughs> Close by to NASDAQ. Um, I... Uh, <clears throat> You know, moved to New York for college and medical school and got interested in doing uh, work in HIV, um, really because I I lived in New York in the very early 90s um, when Mm -hmm. people were still getting sick and it was still, you know, there was no real, real treatment that was uh, effective. And so I I entered med school right when antiretroviral therapy became heart. And, um, you know, started to see people doing better and better. And Mm -hmm. it became really interesting to me uh, to see the way HIV interacted with various populations in New York City, whether they're LGBTQ populations or folks who are, uh, injecting drugs or again, I guess, living on the margins, like the name of your, of your, uh, of this interview. Hmm. Got you. Got you. Cool. So would you, would you mind just telling us a little bit, a little bit about your role and like what the day to day is like? Yeah. So, um, I am the deputy of disease control and what my job is, is to oversee all of the infectious disease programming for the New York city department of health. And so that's pretty variable. So there's, there's things like HIV that sort of go along doing really well with programming that is, you know, well-defined. And then there's uh, sort of more, uh, some work that I do that sort of focuses more on more emergent infections. So things mm-hmm. that are like, you know, clusters and outbreaks in New York City where we have to respond, um, you know, tuberculosis, ways to increase uh, flu vaccination, HPV vaccination throughout the city, really all over the place from the perspective of infectious diseases. So it's a really great job. It's really interesting. And no, no two days are the same. Mm, got you. Got you. Cool. And did you always know that you wanted to be in this, I guess, this governmental type of role? Like, I'm curious how you sort of got into, no, into I, this I didn't part. Actually, I, I was always uh, a clinical person um, who then got into public health work. Um, sort of in in the sort of you know academic universe, and then um, when the opportunity came to become the assistant commissioner for the Bureau of HIV in New York City, um, when the job posting went up, um, everybody in the world that I knew sent me the job posting simultaneously, and I said, "Well, I guess I should probably right. apply for it." And then and then I did, and um, I guess one of the sort of defining moments for me was that Mark Harrington from uh, from Treatment Action Group. 
uh, when you heard I had applied, sent me this email that said, you know, history is calling. You should take this job if you're offered it because, you know, we would love to partner with you and really work to make New York City a place where we could end HIV. And so Mark being one of my role models, sort of given his history of activism, it became pretty clear that I uh, really had to sign up to do it. So when I was offered the job by Dr. Bassett, it didn't take me very long to say yes. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um so, you know, before we dive into talking about you all's, um, I guess, framework around comprehensive sexuality education and things like that, uh, would you mind just giving us a little bit of a landscape of what sexuality education looks like in general in this country? And, you know, just in particular, as it relates to women, people of color, LGBTQ people and other folks who experience marginalization. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I mean, I'm not an expert in uh, in sort of sex ed per se, but I mean, my my understanding from sort of the inter- the national scene is that it's highly variable. And that I think is probably what its main problem is that different places have sort of different levels of engagement. And, you know, I think as such, the curricula are highly are, are, are highly variable when there are curricula. So I feel like, you know, nationally speaking, um, you know, no two jurisdictions are alike. And it just means a lot of sort of inconsistency in, in messaging, especially to sort of younger folk who are, uh, you know, who, who need good information rather than sporadic, inconsistent information. So that's my sense of what it's like nationally. I think, you know, New York City is a little bit different. We do have um, some focus on comprehensive sex ed. We also, you know, do have, uh, you know, some of that variability in that different principles may take on different elements of, of that work. And so some folks may dive in whole hog, while others may be less likely to sort of achieve the same level of, of information. So I think, I think, you know, though I think we're ahead of the game a lot, um, I think that New York suffers with some of that variability as well. Got you. And, you know, I know that your department, you all have a really sort of defined framework around um, LGBTQ health in particular. You know, I'd be curious to hear about sort of what that looks like and the history of that progression. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, under Dr. Bassett, um, we really have seen a lot of, of, of emphasis go into equity. And one of the elements of equity that um, beyond sort of race that she's had us focus on is sort of LGBTQ health. And I think, you know, we've really um, taken some pretty aggressive measures in New York City, I think, to improve uh, the health care of, of LGBTQ people. And a couple of um, the more notable things that we've done, um, the first is that we released what we believe is um, the first ever jurisdictional LGBTQ healthcare Bill of Rights. And so this document is a, a document that looked at the rights that already existed in New York City and New York State. And, you know, visionary Dr. Bassett with a visionary department and a visionary mayor meant that, you know, we were able to sort of go uh, through like a lot of legal departments to be able to actually call this a Bill of Rights. And us, along with assigning a list of, of what we thought were rights, we have an agency that there's a city agency that focuses on, on human rights. And they actually signed on to the uh, Bill of Rights and said, if anybody feels that their Bill of Rights are violated, not only is it our agency, but the Human Rights Agency, the Mayor's Office of Human Rights, um, they actually also have a phone number and people can dial that number and report if they feel like they've had a violation of those rights. So it's it's not just like a public health thing, it's like a, a human rights thing um, in New York City, which is awesome. And so. Um, to back that up, we also released a um, 
a campaign that was called Bear It All. And the Bear It All campaign um, was a call to action telling people to talk to their doctors or, and their healthcare providers about their sex and drug use. And if they can't, that they could just dial 311, which is New York City's sort of municipal, you know, all-in-one phone number. Uh, and we would actually refer them to providers that we had vetted as, uh, as competent in areas of LGBTQ healthcare. Mm. So, I mean, I think that we've taken a very serious stance that, you know, we've done education and we're never going to stop educating providers about how to create a more friendly environment for LGBTQ people. We've released city health information bulletins. We have all of these sort of support, uh, options for people to become better in trainings, to become better at this. But we also think that um, if that doesn't work, we also have a a duty to our uh, New Yorkers to let them know where to go where we think people are are really good at this. And so between Baradol and the Healthcare Bill of Rights, I think we have a pretty good scheme to try to make it easier to get high quality healthcare. That's so interesting. I, you know, I'm I'm curious. What was the what was the reception like from the from the community? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the community gave us a giant high five. I mean, a couple of things about that. So first, um, we can't keep the Bill of Rights on in stock. So we have to keep printing it because clinics keep asking to be able to post it. We have little palm cards. Everybody wants a copy. Like it's that you know, it's it's great. Baradol, like one of the things that's sort of interesting about Baradol is that like I I personally am in the campaign. And it's because, so it's, it's because, you know, um, I had that experience as a New Yorker. Like I had someone who was supposed to be a great doctor and they wouldn't ask me the right stuff about my healthcare. And so I was like, before I put other New Yorkers up to sort of say that they had an issue to bear it all, I was like, well, I'm going to bear it all too. And be like, I'm going to make that point. And Dr. Bassett was like, go for it. Because if you, you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, she's like a role model. I mean, she used to be a smoker and she's on our smoking campaign. So I think it's like a really good sort of point that like these sort of healthcare, health, public health officials are just humans and have the same experience as folk on the street and so i think that was uh, i think a couple of you know a couple of things that make me think that we've gotten some great reception plus a lot of people have asked us around the country uh to access our bear all information as well as our questionnaires that we use for the providers and our healthcare bill of rights with i hope the desire to emulate it so i think that we've gotten some great community response gotcha gotcha thank you and, you know, I'd actually love to hear more about, I mean, you've talked a lot about these, you know, really interesting campaigns, but I'd love to just hear more about um, you all's framework around LGBTQ health and how you've been able to elevate that through the years and kind of like move the needle forward on that. And, you know, also just acknowledging any potential um, like pushback or, or, or barriers that have arisen in that process, just sort of how you all have dealt with that and how you've been able to sort of move this process forward. Um, I mean, I think that in general, um you know, we we had a pretty good time of moving things forward. I mean, I think that we've we evolved a lot of what we're doing from what was very specifically HIV messaging into just general health messaging, which I think is a really good, it's like a really good evolution. So I think that a lot of the LGBTQ work that emerged out of this department in the past was all very HIV related. And I think that although obviously HIV is a really important piece of what we're doing as our STIs, um, you know, we, we think that supporting the general health of, of folks who feel marginalized um, is likely the best strategy to actually improve HIV treatment and prevention. So it's like sort of growing out of the HIV space is this, you know, different conversation that has to do about 
about general health. So I think that that probably, that, that I think was not a barrier, but a challenge, which is like sort of shaking off the HIV-ness of it all to be able to make it just like about the health of LGBTQ people. Because, you know, I think, you know, departments of health are really good at messaging around like one disease or one scenario, but sort of messaging around like, you know, keep yourself healthy um, in a general way is a bit more challenging. And I think, you know, the idea of sort of generating a list of things that people should expect when they go to healthcare, as well as sort of saying, if you don't get those things, here's how you can fix it. I think are, it's a pretty good strategy. But I mean, yeah, I think I think that, you know, we, we have the same challenges we always have. I mean, I think, you know, providers are great. We have some people who are, are amazing. We have some people who aren't really good on this issue. So I think we have ongoing work to do to improve the competence of, of folks toward this population. Thank you for that. And I'm just wondering, like, have you all heard from other jurisdictions who are curious to replicate this model? Um, and if so, like, what are some things that you've recommended to them, you know, also bearing in mind, um, you know, differences that may come with things like political will or like just a different landscape around LGBTQ issues? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the political will is really important. I mean, I think that that's the part that's really important. I think that a lot of the times, like in some jurisdictions where there's not political will or actually the opposite, where there is political will against LGBTQ people, it's really hard to blossom such work. So we've definitely given like a lot of technical assistance to folks around this. I think people are developing their own strategies um, around how to do it but I think it is very contextual like you know we're not we're not Mississippi like New York City and New York State they're a lot different and so I think that the considerations there are you know when when you only have a couple of places that are good at this I think it becomes kind of unnecessary to create a guide list of where where good providers are since you really know where they are given the fact that they tend to be in a couple of small places but I mean definitely I think that the idea of um of really focusing on, you know, not just HIV, but on the health of LGBTQ people is not something that we invented, but I think it's something that we're we're taking to sort of a public health level with interventions that are real. Got you, got you. Cool. And, you know, the show, it's called Defining Equity. It's all about health equity. So I would love to hear your personal definition of health equity. And I think this kind of goes without saying, but like, how the work you're doing right now um, contributes to that definition. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think health equity means really providing care to people in a way that is responsive to their cultural and personal needs with an awareness toward like the, the, the social determinants that often block those needs. So I mean, I feel like, <clears throat> Equality and equity are different. Like that's something that people like sort of talk about. Creating equal an equal strategy doesn't necessarily work when you have folks who need additional support. So I think that like that's sort of what equity means to to me and to I think to our agency, which is that you're designing interventions that are trying to not be equal across the board, but to equalize across the board, to try to make it easier for people to reach when they have longer to reach. So if you can reach something easily, then, you know, great. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of work to do, but if you have problems reaching it, we got to give you an extra booster. And so that's what, what, what this is all about. Like, I feel like, you know, I would love to do more of these, like for different populations, you know, the idea of sort of um, you know, for, for women's health, I think that in some ways, like forget LGBTQ, like, I think that this is a major issue too. And I think, you know, that would, that's a great conversation as well for, you know, people, for people of color. I think that, you know, um, not being able to talk about stuff that's going on in your life that is more important than what is sort of health. 
or what is traditionally looked at as health is a critical barrier to sort of what's happening. So sort of really uh, identifying providers who are able to do more than just talk about your blood pressure, but talk about, you know, your housing jobs and your life, I think is a, a part of this as well. So I think, I think that that's what equity means. It's sort of equity, health equity really means like a holistic awareness of a, a person's needs as well as their needs in the context of society especially when society has created a lot of unfairness around them. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for that. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that that difference between um, equality and equity, because I find that oftentimes those words are used interchangeably. And yeah, like while they might have like a similar, I guess, undertone, um, I think that like equity has sort of in it like an acknowledgement of systemic barriers and like honestly just like history that equality often doesn't communicate so i'm just really really glad that you brought up that distinction because because it's important so for me i always find that in these discussions about equity i think that imagination and creativity is always so important um you know, because oftentimes we're trying to work to create a world that we may not have necessarily witnessed ourselves. So our ability to imagine is always really, really um, integral to the work. So in that same vein of thinking, I guess just like zooming out a bit and assuming a future of no resource constraints, what would you say would be the ideal future of the New York City Department of Health regarding issues of gender, sex, and sexuality? I mean, I think that without any sort of resource limits, I mean, I'll be honest, like one of the best things that could happen, and it's it's not just with us, it's just a single-payer system. I mean, like that so much inequity is built around the fact that, that there's not a single-payer system for healthcare that I feel like if I could dream the impossible dream, the idea of actually having a single-payer system that was blind to a lot of the issues that a multi-payer system is not blind to would be amazing. Um, I think that that's, that's like one, um, one sort of vision that would be great. I, I also think that, um, you know, I, I think another piece is sort of figuring out ways to further lower the threshold to access to healthcare. And I think insurance is one of those barriers. But then in general, like really looking at way, it would be amazing if there were ways to sort of build sort of elements of health into other work that's happening um, in the community. Right. I, although I'll say that our agency is doing that in real time with our community uh, action centers. So out in the world, we have these, uh, you know, these old properties that, that were sort of sitting not doing very much and under Dr. Bassett's leadership um, they've become places where their community action neighborhood action centers where like community based organizations and healthcare are coming together in a way that like right next door to you high quality services are available in places that generally were under underserved so I feel like I would also say that that would be another piece of the dream would be to sort of be able to do this like bigger and bolder and all over the city more and more. Um, but that said, I think it's happening slowly but surely um, that, that it's like that that vision's being realized. But really taking a neighborhood perspective and a, and a community perspective to create low threshold ways to access good services would be amazing. And I think we're, we're getting there. And I think that that's a lot of what the vision is at this agency already. Mm, got you, got you. Thank you. Uh, what a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much, Dr. Deskalakis, for such an interesting and like amazing interview. Um, so I guess if, you know, for folks who are interested in learning more, um, where can folks connect with you? And also, I guess on that same vein, do you have any final words? Um, I think our website is a great place. So um, that's nyc.gov slash health. 
a lot of information is available there, and you can you can visit all the Baradol work and all of the the healthcare bill, the LGBTQ healthcare bill of rights, as well as like our just giant universe of L, of, uh, of of other stuff that we're doing, including our HIV work, and most notably our U equals U work, which is pretty exciting nowadays, given recent findings that confirm that that NASDAQ and uh, DOHMH were right to sign on really early on. Right. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think come visit our website and you know if you're in New York City and you see us and like take a look at all of our outreach and the stuff that we're doing, that would be we'd be happy to sort of talk more. Got you, got you. Thank you. Uh, well, again, thank you so 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 much for an amazing amazing interview. And yeah, everyone, please definitely follow up with them and learn more about their initiatives. They're super super interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess until next time, um, I'll talk to you all soon. Great, thank you. Bye.